Hey guys, and welcome to Branchy's Fake News Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by B32 Media. B32 Media is a company that I created myself that focuses on building content for your business and really managing your social media because let's be honest, most people just can't be fucked doing it themselves. There's a lot of effort and a lot of time that goes into it and if you want to do it correctly, um, just get me on board, uh, B32 Media, for all of of your social media needs. Um, all right, now that that shameful plug of my own business is done, today's podcast uh, we had Callum Chambers and Matt Prittis on, uh, both former West Coast Eagles, um, and uh, Callum played for Carlton, as well as Matt actually won a Brownlow medal. Um, so yeah, really good to have these two guys on. We had a cool chat about everything. Um, we talked about Danny Frawley. We talked about the past football careers, um, the finals coming up. So yeah, look, it was just a, a really good conversation um, and we touched on a lot of topics. So hope you really enjoy this episode. And I want you all to know that we are fighting the fake news. The fake news, the enemy of the people. That I call the fake news, the enemy of the people. The fake news. There you go. We are live. Beautiful. How are we, lads? We are. We have uh, Matt Prittis and Callum Chambers. How are we today, guys? Very good, mate. Yes, going well, Branchy. Very good. Um, so uh, I know Callum fairly. Actually, I, I, I like to say I, I know you very well, um, but Matt, I know reasonably well. Um, I did actually happen to see Mark Lacra and Nathan Van Burley last night, and they did <laughs> wonder if I was going to get the real Matt Prittis. <laughs> Surrounded it? by West uh, West Perth blokes. Yeah. Uh, don't know about that. Yeah, well, I'm hoping to avoid the waffle chat, to be honest, <laughs> uh, with your record of serving. <laughs> is, that a, uh, is there a dark, mysterious past around Matt Prittis? <laughs> They all say I've got a media mat and then the real mat. So um, no, no, they're not too different. They're yeah, not no, too different, perfect. Mate. No, you are a very nice guy. That's uh, that's, <laughs> that's good. Um, yeah, but thanks very much uh, for coming on, guys. Um, Jess and Ash for letting you guys come as well and yeah, getting some time off the kids. That's uh, good. I've got mine in the other room. So if you do hear any loud noises, that's probably what it is. Or the wife's chucking a fit somewhere. Um, so uh, probably not the the greatest note to start on, but I'm not sure of your guys sort of how well you knew him or not. But you know, Danny Frawley obviously passing away last night. It's a, it's a big topic at the moment. Did, did you guys know him in any way very well? Uh, I didn't certainly didn't know him, but obviously you know all about him, and it's been talked about a lot over the last uh, last few days. He seems to be one of those guys that um, you felt like you knew him, even though you know you'd never met the guy in your life. Um, so it's just a really big shock, I suppose. And I know that there's some interesting, um, I don't know if that's the right word, but the, the circumstances around it all um, just seem to be really sad. And, um, you know, he, obviously over the last little while, there's been some, um, in fact, he spoke himself about some of the troubles that he's had in his past. And I guess if, if the way it's panned out is the way that it, people are pointing in that direction, it just shows you how strong... Um, mental illness can be and how strong the effect that it can have on people to to decide to I guess leave your family and mm. and, and your friends 
for something that you think is better. Um, it's it's yeah, it's really sad. Yeah, very upsetting. Um, and once again, I certainly didn't know him at all. But um, I, every every Sunday night, I felt like I knew him because I watched him every Sunday night in the bounce after the footy and. And he was—he seemed like the most upbeat, uh, jovial bloke going around, and I guess that shows that, you know, what what you can see on the outside doesn't necessarily mean it's uh, it's happening on the inside, and yeah, it can take over in some um, some really negative ways. Uh, yourself, Matt, did you know him well? Or? No, I didn't. Um, but you touch on a really important thing there. That you you do have to keep an eye out for your, on your mates. You know, it's you know sometimes we can put up you know the big um, barricades and um, brave face and that sort of thing, but. You know, having the confidence to be able to speak and speak openly and honestly with, with um, the, those closest to you, it's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, within <coughs> in footy clubs, um, you know, you come a- across it a fair bit. You know, we you have to put on the cape, you know, on the weekends, but um, we're all vulnerable. Um, we've all got things we're going through in life and it's, uh, yeah, we can't stress enough how important it is to speak up. Yeah, definitely. Uh, totally agree. Um, I guess that's probably a huge reason I got both of you on. You're both not the I guess uh, the standard uh, journey in football you've both had struggles uh, along the way um, Cal you know uh, being in and out of the side for a while and then playing through the what was it 2000 to 2005-ish oh, yeah four yep. four and then off to Carlton and having to move the family over and or did you meet Jess over there or no no so uh, Jess and I got together about six months before I left so um yeah, she came about six months after me after she finished her uni degree. But um, yeah, look, I even though I was Victorian, I felt like I was moving away from home once again. So yeah. um, certainly, you know, <laughs> this little uh, topic comes on the back of what we've just spoken about and moving across the country is not the hardest thing of all time to do. And, and as you know, footy's a very short part of your life, so you do whatever you have to do and yep. and hope it works out for the best. Well, you certainly uh, gathered some good friends and in the local West Perth community later on in the in the career, that was outstanding. Um, and then Matt, obviously yourself, you uh, you weren't even drafted from your your uh, what was it Colts age. You had to play through the ranks and and into the waffle and actually won a couple of premierships with Subi, as I remember, and and a Sandover from memory. Fifty-eight votes in a Sandover, I believe. <laughs> was it the record? Was that the record? Yeah, I, I was going to yeah. get that all. <laughs> yeah, don't look, no, don't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might have just missed it. Uh, <laughs> I, I was extremely lucky. A little bit uh, different to Cal. I got to stay in my local state with all my family and friends. Um, you know, it took me four drafts to, to get on a list. Um, got the opportunity by the by the rookie list, and I I think it was. As, as hard as it was in those three or four years, I think it was the best thing for me. Um, and I was extremely lucky at Subiaco. We had a really strong culture. I was one of the younger guys, but we had some senior guys within that footy club that um, you know, set the standard with their work rate, um, the commitment. It is semi-professional. I think one of the or the greatest strength of Subiaco Footy Club is is just the commitment. Um, they'll go above and beyond with their, their training standards. Um, they've got a great social... Um, life and um, they've just got a really good balance between that um, they go out there and they, they play for each other so I saw that from a really young age and the importance of you know training hard but enjoying your mates company and things like that so it was a great environment for me to learn and develop my game um, I had Peter German as a coach and he was really big on just emphasizing the facts that you've got to play to your strengths okay there's there's obviously reasons why you're not getting drafted at the moment um, but you know the things that 
you know, if you get that opportunity, it's going to be your strengths. So don't don't shy away from what you got to work on, but yep. keep developing your game. And, and my strengths was I had to be an inside mid, so I just honed on, in on those skills, make sure you're clean, um, and just yeah, you know, go full ball at that. I remember. Uh this is when I think probably 2006. I think you guys had just won the the waffle final, and West Perth had been knocked out uh, pretty early. I think actually I don't can't even recall us making the finals that year. And then me and Dustin Burns, uh, you certainly know Burnsy, Cal. I'm not sure if you know him very well, but we were having a run around, um, just starting to get back into running, keeping fit for the off season. And I think it was a, a two or three days after winning a grand final. I think we seen you running around doing laps around the oval. And fuck, that's that's a guy who is motivated and dedicated to the cause and trying to get drafted. I guess so. Yeah, I, I loved it. I was obsessed with with training, and I think it's for me. It was all about just playing at the highest possible level you can play at. Um, so they did a couple of things. It held me accountable. So you know, when you you're not going out and going drinking with your mates or um, you know, not going on the trips um, overseas and things like that. I, for me, I just wanted to get the best out of myself, and that's that was the that was the fun part for me because I I also knew that when it's all over, whether it was you know twenty five thirty whatever age you you finish playing footy, you can look back knowing that you did everything you possibly could. So one, it held me accountable throughout my career, but also I wanted to know at the end of it I did everything I could. It was pretty simple. Well, I feel, I feel like that's where I went wrong because I went on every <laughs> overseas trip <laughs> with the players at the end of the season. So, okay, well, that that's one thing for the young kids at home. Don't go on a footy trip. But. <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying not footy trips, but, you know, it's just, um, you know, the mid-season trips that a few boys, you know, when, oh, when you're, yeah. you're not in the AFL system and, you, you know, it, it is a bit more fun. Um, I probably just tried to, you know, have that real professionalism um, within the waffle and, um, yeah, Subiaco allowed us to do that. You, Cal, you went to you had two different clubs uh, that you go went to, and I guess you went from you know a club that was on the the eve of winning two or playing in two grand finals in a row, and you <laughs> heartbreakingly obviously left the club the year before they they made those. But then you went to another club, so you've gone from a club that was probably elite in standard and a club that was towards the bottom of the ladder from memory at the time. Yeah, was a there a di- was it was it uh, a, like a marked difference between the clubs? Oh, it was absolutely massively different. Um, from the size of the club, both the the quantity of people getting around the place. I mean, we had people at Carlton that were doing three or four different jobs at once. Mm. Um, whereas you walk into the West Coast Eagles offices and there's about 400 people working in there, <laughs> um, all with a very specific job. And um, I mean, the facilities were chalk and cheese and that's, that's not counting what they've got right now, which is oh. completely out of this world. But... Um, when we moved into the new facilities in Subiaco back in 2000, um, we had probably the best facilities in the AFL. Um, they'd be probably in the bottom 10 or 12 now if, if they were still getting around. But yep. you went to Carlton and there was not much. Yeah, There was history and that was the real beauty of it. You know, you were mm-hmm. walking around in the same rooms as as your John Nichols and your Cooters and your Silvanis and Bradleys and Bruce Dools and all those sort of people was fantastic. Like yeah. You'd pinch yourself. Um, but at the same time, and it was interesting to talk to some of the guys there that had never seen anything else but that, Yeah, where they'd sometimes say to you, well, you know, because I probably am fairly vocal about most things, <laughs> and sometimes you'd have a, I suppose you could call it a bit of a whinge about certain stuff, and they'd say to you, well, that's how AFL footy is, and you go, no, it's not, mate. <laughs> not at 15 other clubs in the league, it's not. Yeah. Um, so, look, I don't know. To go back to um, probably a little bit to... 
I'm going back a topic here, but Matt talking about um, his career and, and where I ended up and how it ended up for me. I mean, I think if you've got that a level of talent enough to play in the AFL, where you get to is always a direct, and I'm not trying to piss in your pocket, uh, <laughs> Pritter, but it's always a direct correlation with what you're willing to do to actually get there. And, mm. and I look at things like that. There is no way known... I could say no to hanging out with my mates on a footy trip and things like that. Mm. Always, you know, if I look back now, and I'm, this isn't a violin story, but you look back and think of the things that you could have done in the past and where, Pritta, I can guarantee you there's no stone unturned there. I reckon I left a few stones unturned and you end up with what you deserve, really, at the end of the day. And I think um, that's it, you yeah. know. Yeah, the hard work pays off, really. Um, did you... Did you Catch the, uh, I guess, the end of Cuda back in... Was yeah. It, yeah you could, and what, what was the, <laughs> the the Greek guy? What was he like as a sort of, a, a, I guess, a, a figure walking around a club like that? He was a ripper. Um, I think in, in the clubs that you play around, or, or the clubs that you end up at, if you play more than one, I suppose, but when you get to know people from other clubs, so often it's the people that are at the very pinnacle that you think would be a certain way and they're completely not. Um, Kurt is one of the best guys I've met in footy. He's so nice. He's the sort of guy that would walk into this room and um, he wouldn't he wouldn't care whether you'd played, won a Brownlow medal, <laughs> you know, um, won nothing at all, or I've got my hand up there for... <laughs> going, oh, no, you can see it in your camera there. Yeah. Um, but it do- doesn't matter. Everyone's the same. You'll give everyone the time of day. And I think, you know... Um, even to this day, when he's, if he sees he comes to Perth quite often, um, he'll flick your message here or there. And, and I just think showing, even if he doesn't give a rats about what you're doing, mm. just being able to, to actually just take five minutes out of your time to send a quick message and it makes you feel really good about yourself, that's what sort of guy he is. Um, and there's plenty around in the AFL. He's not the only one, but, mm. geez, to, to see him in action, a very different player when I got there to what he was at his free-flowing best. He yep. was a lot bigger. I think um, he was an absolute... Not that I want to talk about blokes <laughs> with their clothes off here, <laughs> but you'd, sometimes you'd walk into... You know, after training, you'd walk into the rooms and you'd see him, you'd walk back out. You're just <laughs> too embarrassed to get changed next to him. Wow, <laughs> just, a, just a big lad, you know, in a few different ways I heard. <laughs> you do realise that they're just normal blokes, don't you? Yeah. Like, I, I was lucky enough to... My first year, you had Judd Kerr, Cousins, Cox, Embley... And Pretty I, average I, midfield oh, there. <laughs> mate, it was a good footy apprenticeship. That's the way I looked at it. But, mm. you know, they ex- you're accepted. You, if you put your head down, bum up, I think it's the best way of earning respect is just working and working real hard, showing your commitment, and then you're embraced really early and you feel comfortable in the in the environment. But you realize they're just normal blokes. They love playing footy like you do, um, and they're there uh, for a common cause. So... Um, that's that's the best part. Um, you don't. You, you sometimes you think, oh, they're, they're superstars and they're, they're pin-up boys for the game, but um, yeah, they're just normal blokes that just want to get out there and have fun. Yeah, and enjoy their mates. It, it's interesting, especially like uh, knowing players prior to getting drafted and then watching them go through their career, and you you lose contact because you know different clubs and different circles and it happens. But then you see them um, maybe you know five six years later, and it's it's like your best friends again, and they they, they, they don't get an ego. Hutchie, every time I see Hutchie, he's just an absolute legend. Da- uh, Jack Darling, he's the same. Like these are guys I like sort of played football with and. Uh, through, I guess, my very star-studded career. Um, it, but um, 
yeah, these are guys who still come back and they have a beer with you and talk to you like you're mm. just you're just another a guy, you know. Yeah, we just play footy, mate. Exactly. That's that's, that's what it is. So I, I, it's just it's you got to keep it simple. You mm. overcomplicate and you think you're bigger than the game and and your mates and you know they're the, they're the people you don't want to associate with anyway. So and there's still probably a couple within the industry, isn't there? Like. But you're going to find that wherever you go. Well, think, oh, sorry. Oh, go. sorry. I was going to say, I mean, that's the thing. If you put 40, 45 guys in a room together anywhere, you're going to get your dickheads and you're going to get your ripper blokes and it won't matter where they come from. And I feel mm. like the idea of, of uh, someone playing a few games and having a bit of success and it changing them, I don't really believe that that's a thing. I reckon that's a, if that's what sort of person you are, you're that sort of person before you play the it's games. Always in you know, the, yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. No, but it's going to get smacked out of you pretty quick too. Very, <laughs> very much so. <laughs> yeah, very nice. And I think that's probably, uh, a, 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 I guess, a tick of the box for you. Winning a Brownlow is the highest honour in AFL. Um, I, I guess, well, aside from winning a, a, a premiership, but individual honour. Um, a Brownlow is the pinnacle, and 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 even I think it was I think it was a, a year prior I had met you through a mutual friend Razor, um, and uh, I got your number because we organised the Bucks at my house, and you were the best man. So we we uh, we got to know each other, and I think it was a year later um, you won the Brownlow, and I messaged you saying I didn't even really barely knew you still at the time. Well done, mate. Just absolute uh, ripper. And you messaged back saying, thanks, mate, it was a ripper night. Like, it, it was oh. such a uh, – it, it showed me sort of how humble and down-to-earth you were as a, as a bloke. And, and yeah, that's I, the pinnacle. I just try – yeah, my, I've come from humble um, – really humble parents. So they – my old man's a tradie, um, works as a secretary. And, I, if, mate, if I got ahead of myself, he would pull me into line pretty quickly. So – but – I, I just I like the simple things in life. I, I like enjoy. I love my family time. I love just I love just playing footy, and I, I do, it doesn't define you. I just I, I work in ag finance now, and I'm loving it so much because you can go onto a farm, and you just mat. And yep. I think that's the way I've always tried to be, um, regardless what's going on in footy or your personal life. It's just you got to. There's more that defines you as a person rather than just what you can do on the weekend, because if you are defined by you know your football. It, there's going to be a lot of up and downs, you know. And that you know you have good times, bad times, and you just need to you, know, you need to be pretty level-headed and, and steady in your emotions there. Um, so yeah, I, I always found that that helped me. And it, as much as the Brownie can be, it's an individual award. It never once felt like that. I think I was I was really well embraced by the footy club and the fans, and I just felt like it was something we all achieved. I, I never looked at it as an individual award. It was, and I suppose that definitely helped me deal with the fact because i was very uncomfortable in that situation for a couple of months yeah and i feel the same way about you cal coming from carlton back to west perth i was a young kid i don't think i had played a league game and you talked to me like i was uh, just you know another afl player just another one of the guys and um, i really sort of respected that from from day one and I think it was it may have been your first season. You came second in the Sandover, had a very good season. Um, and I don't do research for this, so this is just all off the top of my head. So if I'm wrong, just uh, <laughs> tell me. But um, yeah, the fact that you just never let any of those sorts of things get to you as well. It was such a again an, another humble sort of bloke coming back and just another one, another guy who likes to play footy. Oh look, I think like we said before, it's you are who you are. And, and that's it, you know. So I would have probably rubbed people up the wrong way because I'm a bit of a clown and, um, and as I said, always have something to say. Um, but 
Far out. You know, I, I found out you were a fan of Ricky Gervais as well. <laughs> and, and once I found that out, that was, you know, away we went. We so, clicked very well. Um, so you find in, in life, you find the people that are um, uh, that you click with in, in other things. I mean, you go to a footy club and everyone's loves their footy, but you're not going to sit there and talk to everyone about footy all day. And it, no. it was funny. I always... I've told this, uh, not a, it's not a story, but I just thought one of the interesting facts about, you talk about Chris Judd, um, and now this is probably, in my opinion, could be the best player of the last 30 or 40 years. I agree, um, from an outside point. Then, you you know, probably his best mate that I can remember at the club was Clancy Rudiforth, and I go, <laughs> people would be really surprised to hear that. They'd think he was mates with Cuzzy or he was mates with Curry, or he was mates with Curry. But, yeah, you know, when you say to people, no, nah, most times I saw him out and about, he was with Clancy. Yeah. Mm. And it's like, well, why wouldn't you be? Yeah. Why, why is that such a, a shock? Yeah. Yeah, Maybe yeah. they were both into Australian hip hop or whatever it is. That, uh, <laughs> if you want to see Juddy being normal, get him to sing one of his rap battles that he. <laughs> I do remember being a, a bit of a fanboy uh, at the for the Eagles earlier in the in the days before I started playing at West Perth. I don't know what it does to you playing at a waffle club, but for some reason, I felt like my you know drive to support the Eagles sort of hindered. I guess because you play against a few of them and and you feel like anyone you play against is a dickhead sort of thing. Um, um, but yeah, uh, so I remember sitting, I specifically sitting there as a, I think a 15 year old, um, kid watching Chris Judd play for East Perth, um, at Leadable Oval from memory. And he, and I, I knew every player that was on the list. So I was watching him going, oh, this guy, he's, he's pretty good. And he, I think him and Jeremy Hum at the time, I think, uh, was another player. And, uh, and yeah, I was really just watching them and, um, yeah, they absolutely, well, I think it's said to be one of the greatest waffle games ever played by a yeah. player and he played one game first and happened, last game kick five <laughs> kick five yeah. had about yeah. 30 and he played about 50 percent game time and just oh, 15 tackles or something ridiculous and um you, you see a guy like that and then straight after the game he's sitting there and he's uh, signing uh i guess he wasn't a, a somebody then but he's he's signing autographs for the kids and stuff like that. he's yeah he, you could see he was a sort of a humble guy from the beginning as well i'm not, I'm not sure if he's still like that but yeah, it seemed like that from from the outside point of view. I'll give you my only claim. He's talking about Brownlow medals on the other couch here, but I'll give you my only claim to fame in football. Perfect. In my whole career, really. Round that that game, round one, two thousand and two, it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we played the Western Derby in round one of the AFL season that uh, that year. Yes. And we were coming off. Uh, Ken Judge had been sacked. We had Wusher. Everyone was up and about. Um, probably had my best preseason. Well, probably the only preseason I'd had to that point because I didn't really get a game in preseasons earlier. And I remember Wusher grabbing me at, oh, I think it must have been the Thursday um, before round one, and he said, we've picked 21 po- uh, guys in the side and we've got one to go. He said, and it's either going to be you or Chris Judd. <laughs> and he said, and I always said that we were going to back guys in that had a good preseason, so you're playing. So I was the only player <laughs> in the history of AFL footy ever selected in front of Chris Judd. That's outstanding. And will continue to be the only. Tip of the cap. <laughs> That's phenomenal. That's You've got to hang on to everything that you can hang on to. When because you're... at the time you were playing for East Perth, was the affiliate? Uh, I'd actually moved back um, to West Perth that year. So I'd play year. East Perth in 2000, 2001, and yes. then the host club was abolished. Cool. Um, and they had a reverse order draft, and I got drafted back to West Perth. So Okay. Yeah. 
Very interesting. A little bit similar. I, round 10 was my debut game and uh, in 20, uh, 2006, and it was only because Juddy did his hammy. So Juddy missed <laughs> four, four games midway through 06. And, uh, We're yeah. all thankful for Juddy. Oh, he's given like us life, both a bit of a speed, boost. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> he did fuck all for me. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, no, awesome. Um, so speaking of Brownlow before, obviously, that's a, that's a huge achievement to go from a rookie... Uh, draft uh, being overlooked for drafts and then going all the way to a Brownlow. How did it like feel leading into it? Because I got to tell you, on the on the side, I made a cheeky good amount of money on that. So um, <laughs> I, for me, I did the maths in my head. Uh, it was a year where we were pretty competitive. Uh, we did, we weren't the best side, but we had not enough players to really take votes off you. I felt um, or any that were consistent enough. So I whacked a shitload on you and I won a lot of money. So cheers for that. But how does it um, how does it feel going from just you know massive relative outsider to winning it? I've always felt like um, it, a lot of my best games in that season were in our losses. So early on, um, you know, we started pretty slowly in that year. Sim, it was Simo's first year as coach and. Mm-hmm. Um, it took us a while to adapt to his style of play and um, Wush was very much, you know, we had that one-on-one focus and a little bit of that team defense and um, I think we did that pretty well but it was our ball movement that um, Simo really was making big transition in and uh, by the end of the year it was starting to click and we, we went on a bit of a run and we missed out in the finals that year just on percentage. Um, so, mate, I felt like I, was, I had a good year, um, but I was super nervous going into the Brownlow because I just you just have that that gut feel that you know they do all the the pre uh, Brownlow vote counts and that sort of stuff, and I was only you know, in some of them only one or two votes off, and they missed out you know three or four of my my best games, and okay we lost, but I thought geez even if I get ones and twos in those then yeah she's game <laughs> on so. Um, as the night progressed, um, I, I, I got the ones and twos and even a couple of threes and some of the losses. And I thought, oh, I was <laughs> in my own mind. I was like, I knew what was coming because we finished off the season really well. And mm. so nervous, mate. So yeah. bloody nervous. And I think the biggest thing was because I just didn't see myself as, you know, you're in that Fife's, Ablett's, Dangerfields. And um, and I, I still don't. They're just a whole new um, level. But, um, yeah, I just didn't know how it was going to be received. So that's that was a thing I was struggling to deal with. Yep. Um, so my motivation going, I always felt like I was always trying to prove myself. So even after winning the Brownlow, I definitely felt like I had to still prove myself. Mm. Um, so I was probably more proud of my 2015 year, the year after. Um, as a team, we had a great year. We finished on top, played in the grand final. Um, and... I went to. I felt like I went to another level. I had a better season, and I was able to back it up. So that that's probably what I'm even more proud of. You finished runner up the next year, didn't you? Yeah, to to five. <laughs> so I, 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 that's probably yeah. I'm probably more proud of that. Just the fact that I was able to, you know. Just a consistent couple of years, just really well. Actually, a consistent career, really, just constantly in and under. Well, I've always said too, like being an inside mid. It's your games. You're in. You're in control of that. Mm. You're in the contest, so if you're having a poor one, it's you've only got yourself to blame. Whereas if you're you're playing on a wing and half forward, it's there's such a selfless role, and there's going to be weeks where you work just as hard, but you don't go near it, and then other weeks it's just falling in your lap, and it's they're a much more selfless role. You're playing you know roles for the team that you know okay it doesn't look good on stats, but you're you're holding good width at a stoppage just so you got protection things like that. Whereas mm. inside mid, you're in there. 
you got control of uh, your performance a little bit more. So I think you should be consistent. Yeah. Do you reckon uh, you said before about how you didn't know how it would be received you winning a Brownlow? Do you reckon that – did you feel uh, – and I'm probably asking this question because I, I'm going to say how I felt about it all. Mm. But did it, it, was it obvious to you that you were an extremely popular winner? Because there would not be a person in the mm. AFL that wasn't stoked that you won the Brownlow. Did you, like, uh, yeah. on, that's honest. Like, no, you know, you get people up there like Dusty is an amazing player, but you can just tell he rubs people up the wrong way at times mm. with his, his look and his haircut and this and that. Yep. Like, that, look, that was one of the coolest things. I think some of the text messages that you receive from people you have no idea, uh, <laughs> you've never met. Um, like I got this awesome one from Tom Harley from Sydney and, um, you know, he goes, it's one of the first times I've been able to relate to, to a Brownlow winner. And I was, that was something that I thought that that's pretty cool. That's r- really cool. I, people, you know, it's just one for the, for the battlers, I suppose. Um, you just realize that just a normal bloke and he's, um, you know, been lucky enough to receive something like this. So yeah, that was really cool. Just, it was received well from, you know, most people and, um, just a normal dude. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. I look at the uh, the current team at the Eagles, and for me, and uh, I'm probably a bit biased here because I know him, but I felt like as soon as he came into the side, he was the next Matt Prittis, and p- perhaps he's not going to be a Brownlow winner, but Mark Hutchings is that sort of in-and-under battler. He works hard for his position. He, he has to do the tough things, and... It, it just it's just a very similar player I feel um, did you ever get to play much with Hutchie and, and sort of yeah, rub I off did. on him and it's funny it's throughout the preseason um, you get towards the end and we would always you, the players had to sit down and you're in groups of four or five and you had to pick the 22 mm. come around one alright this is a player's 22 and it was funny mate it, you'd have very different responses and you'd probably have four or five guys that were in and out of some of these teams and Hutchie was always one of those. Like everyone wanted him in the team, right? Mm. But you sit down, and, okay? Do you do you have a tagger? Do you play him as a midfielder? And I still remember, you know, some of the you know the conversations around that, and it, it is is tough. Um, but he's one of those guys that you just love. You know what you're going to get week in, week out. He's so selfless. He's hardworking. Um, but he probably feels deep down that he's always trying to prove himself as well and he's trying to earn his spot. Um, and it's you know it's such a hard 22 to break into as mm. well. So, um, no, I can definitely relate to, to what he's going through and, um, you know, but, you know, he's a premiership player now. Not yeah. many people can say that. So, you look back, he, he's going to be super proud because he works extremely hard. Like, there's not many people as diligent as he is at making sure he gets his body up. Um you know, he played on the weekend. He's he coming off a four-week layoff with a hammy. So mm. um, it just shows his professionalism that's got him to where he well, is. Well, from being delisted to coming back, playing, I think, two seasons in the waffle and then going back and then establishing himself as a uh, a pr- pretty uh, key player in their, in their 2018 grand final win, uh, yep. shutting down side bottom, I yep. think. Yeah, he had Very 40 touches the week before. If you know he goes out and has 30, you know, it's probably a difference and might help. Colin would get over the line. So. And then even on the weekend, uh, having spoken to Nath Van Berlo yesterday and the job he did on Saad, although Saad still played very well, if he was untended by Hutchie and Hutchie doing that role, who knows the difference that 
someone like him could have made. Well, we saw the difference a couple of years ago here with Saad and oh. probably played his best game of his career and we got ripped up. Yeah, in the first quarter they were up by mm. about 50 points, weren't they? Yep. I do remember that game. Yep. Um, yeah, horrible, horrible <laughs> evening. <laughs> you had money on that one too? <laughs> no, no. Friday night footy, I think that one was, and um, I had a few beers and I wasn't happy from memory. But um, yeah, so, um, so I've got a bit of inside goss uh, at the moment. So uh, you wouldn't know this, but um, Pritta is a true grit WA <laughs> Theory of Boot Camp ambassador. Um, and he's been doing some. Are you doing a session on Sunday for yeah, memory? Yeah, I'm filming yeah. that actually. So that's going to be interesting. But I got a bit of an inside uh, bit of gossip that the reason you're doing all this is you're going to try and do a 24-hour enduro. <laughs> yeah, I, mate, I love <laughs> physical and mental challenges. So I, um, yeah, I, what did we do? I did, I did a, a kilometre of burpees, you know, oh. about six months ago for <laughs> for James. And um, it was awesome. But, mate, I was sore for weeks. But I left there thinking, geez, I, I, I love that. Like, I think that's one thing I'm missing um, being on the other side, not, not playing footy. It's that physical and mental challenge, and I, I think this true grit is—it's something that it's you know it's fun to train for. Um, it's getting me out of bed in the morning to just go for a run um, and and do a few little weights. So it's just something to train for in the background that keeps me mentally fresh because obviously working you know majority in an office at the moment. That's my outlet. So. Is yeah, it is it that good. competitive drive that you miss and yourself as well, Cal? Probably, <laughs> do you miss that that competitiveness? I guess. Yeah, I, I think so, and I, I love, yeah, you know, those little battles you have within a hard training session. You know, it's easy. To, you, you, one side of you saying, "Oh, mate, just stop. Mm. What are you doing it for?" And then the other's like, "Nah, let's go." So I, and then you finish that training session. That's the that's the best part, I think. Um, but uh, old mate over here, we we played a little little game. <laughs> Just a little. The owls. Uh, yeah, the old owls. The owls. <laughs> Which one mate. of you was it? You, Cal? Pull your car? Oh no, 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 no! This gets, mate. We we had seven players, past players, rock up, yep. and then the other seven are young fellas that work at the local Hunger Jack store. <laughs> so <laughs> things didn't start off too well, but somehow we're in front at halftime. Yep. Um, and we're playing against the Perth past, past players, and mate, they were taking it very seriously, like four more months, massages, Perth demons. <laughs> okay, and they were humming around, but really? all mate started <laughs> in a blaze of glory. Right, would have had ten touches first ten minutes, mm. and then look around at eleven minute mark, and where's he going? He's gone off for a sniper. Uh, yeah, <laughs> got shot. All He's right done the it. biggest quaddy of his career. Quaddy. Oh, uh, it's only just come right too, and that was about eight weeks ago. <laughs> That must have been a big cow, oh, I look, guess. You want to talk about mental and physical challenges. The <laughs> only one I have is bloody getting my kids ready for school in the mornings. <laughs> but, yeah, look, um, I've actually been doing a little bit of uh, playing a bit of midweek basketball the last year or so. But before that, I wouldn't have exercised for three years. So I sort of kicking footies and stuff like that. I'm sure I'll get back into it a bit if I can once my young bloke gets a bit older. Mm. Or my daughter, of course. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I was... I don't know if I had 10 touches, but I was feeling all right. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then tried to kick one long down the line and got whacked with an axe. Was it an Optus? <laughs> no, it was at uh, Lath Lane. Oh, Lath Lane. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Once he went down, mate, things fell off and uh, yeah. <laughs> ended up getting rolled pretty bad. It was, really? good, it was good fun, though. <laughs> I, I mean, well, we had Kevin Caton at 54 years of age. Kev Caton. <laughs> yeah, he was steaming out from full forward. In fact, that was the, the first play of the game. You gave the footy to me and I somehow knocked a kick down to the forward line and 
Kev Caton out on the lead, steams out and takes a grab and kicks a goal. And I thought, how, good, how good's this? <laughs> Kev Caton, he actually, small world, he's the first person to tell me I was debuting my first game of league football. Came up yeah. to me and then Bill told me. <laughs> and then Bill was rovable that Kevin told me uh, before him. But um, yeah. That's uh, the limelight, Kevy. Yeah, Kev's, uh, he was a, uh, I used to love his... <laughs> His energy when he was uh, delivering his forward line, yeah, push up, <laughs> push back. He's an interesting guy, Kev. And uh, Troy Wilson was the other guy that played uh, <laughs> that most people that loved uh, the Eagles would remember Troy. Yes. Um, I don't know that he was moving around too well, but uh, look, those I actually quite enjoyed that game, and I hope they keep doing it. Hope everyone turns up this did year. Ashley Sampy missing in action. Play this year. Ashley Sampy, did I see? Yeah, this Sam's year. played. Well, the bloke that looks a little bit like <laughs> Sam's played. <laughs> he was doing it for his three younger jacks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, classic. Um, he's bit a good of bants, man, Sam's. Bit of bants going on out there, I guess, uh, from a few of the old boys. But um, yeah, that's always good. I mean, uh, I think we uh, we pl- oh, I played a of a past players game about two, three years ago. I think you played in it, a footy nines game at a halftime of a West Perth. Oh, I, I didn't play. I was meant to play and I was spewing I couldn't. But um, It's just yeah. fun. Those Everyone gives each other shit. And <laughs> when yeah, someone well, pulls out of a marking contest, it's, yeah, yeah everyone you lets you know. <laughs> Corey Johnson still standing on shoulders oh, at the age of 44. Brendan Fuster just running through blokes. It was <laughs> oh, we've got a good bunch of boys here at West Perth. Mm, nah, it was, uh, Not sure what they're like down at Subiaco. You talk about uh, the, the work ethic. And this is where things oh. get a bit away from your normal. Yeah, most of your players, uh, what professionalism, uh, Subiaco, you know, train hard, house full of white goods, from what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I was on 200 bucks a game, so I keep hearing all these stories of like white goods and boys playing played well. And I'm like, Mate, I was on 200 bucks a game for my four years at Subi, so I don't oh, know. What, the battler. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we got him. No, <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm glad I didn't play through uh, when you guys really started turning it up. I mean, I was lucky with Subiaco that we managed to beat you in a grand final <laughs> and a prelim final. Oh, five, yeah, yeah. Definitely had the wood over us for a long period there. Um, so, yeah, awesome. Yeah. I'm going to check in here. Um, apparently, we've got some live questions, so uh, we'll uh, we'll have a look on here. Um, keep the the I guess the the listeners at home. Happy if there is uh, a couple, from what I can tell. If the first one's from Jess, that'll be my wife saying, where are you? The kids <laughs> yeah. are going berserk. <laughs> yeah, my phone's going off over there too. So. Okay, so um, it seems to be that it's uh, Jerome Valet, I think, um, commenting as uh, Hammersley Kareem. Uh, what's he said? Um, Dirk Kut. <laughs> Do you, Dirk, Dirk Cout is a former Liverpool soccer player So Jerome <laughs> Valet has called me Dirk for a while <laughs> okay. And Duncan Fletcher, uh, a.k.a. Jerome Valet um, Yeah, I'm not sure what he's getting at there but yep. Yeah, I think he just wanted a bit of a shout out Well done, Jez <laughs> You both uh, support the same football team though, I guess Jerome Valet, here you go One of the guys that you talk about doing being diligent and all that sort of stuff When he was playing Colts Yep um, So does that mean he's listening? He's, he'd be listening right now, Right-o. I guess. Um, so, yeah, he was the one guy. He, he probably trained on the league oval with the league side more than any league player, <laughs> and he was playing Colts. He used to sit there and have 480 shots at goal. <laughs> yep. So I'm assuming, I don't know whether that was actually uh, <laughs> a, an attempt to get in the coach's good books or whether he just genuinely loved it. But, mm. um, yeah, I remember before I knew him, 
He was every every single training night up that end, the far end at Joondal up, having shots for goal. All he night. was a talented soccer player from memory as well. Uh, mm. Very talented. I believe he was invited to train with Manchester United, or maybe he t- just told us that. But I've, I've, got, I've got a feeling he got an invite to go over there and try out as a 15-year-old. Yeah, it was someone like that, yeah. which is impressive. Very impressive. Uh, is. But uh, neither here nor there. So, um, footy finals uh, on the were on the cusp. The boys flew out today. Um, what are your thoughts? Eagles Geelong, you know, I know you're going to go with your heart there, but you honestly, I, I from my opinion, I think they're going to get up. I think they're, they're going to beat Geelong. And unfortunately, Geelong don't, don't get their uh, their home advantage. But I think it's, um, I think regardless, Eagles just match up very well against Geelong. Yeah, mate, I, I, I think, um, yeah, they're definitely the favourites going in. I, I, there's going to be some great matchups. I'd love to see Yo Dangerfield, mm. uh, two balls in the contest and can both take a really good grab. So, um, you know, whoever can get get on top in that contest will have a a, a big say in the result. But mm. I just think um, we match up really well all over the ground. Um, I think we can take last week's um, momentum. Mm. I, I think we can win and win pretty well too. Yeah. So um, we, we've shown that for a long period of time now. What well, they won six or seven in a row at the MCG, so that holds no fear for the boys and um, they're in a really good headspace. So be great. Does the what's the weather looking like? Do we know at all? Um, I think it's going to be 17 degrees during the day and I think it's like a 20% chance of rain. I have looked this up today. I don't just know those stats. Because <laughs> um, I am going over for the game, fortunately. So, um, yeah. Yep. Look, I've, I agree with Pritta. I just think we match up well all over the ground and, and those guys that have been the driving force for them over the time, one of them being Dangerfield, I certainly think in between um, Yowie and I sort of feel like if Yowie was to take him at stoppages and then have Hutchie follow him around mm. everywhere else... Mm. I, um, in my mind, that'd be a good way to go. But the other guys just don't seem to have that impact that they've probably had. They might um, on on a stat sheet. Um, you know, Joel Selwood still gets a fair bit of the ball, but I've, I don't know. He's playing from a wing, I yeah, think a bit I, more. And I feel like without really, you know, um, I might be a bit misguided, but I sort of feel like just his impact is not what it used to be. Mm. Um, and like Pritta said, you know, and playing on Optus Stadium. Mm. Which is almost a carbon copy minus the top level of the stands of the MCG. Yeah, you saw the difference between the two thousand and you know you know this better than anyone the two thousand fifteen <laughs> grand final. Yeah, and the way that Hawthorne were able to use the ball and get themselves out of tight situations, um, and we couldn't do that. We mm. so used to playing on a narrow on a on a really narrow, narrow ground, one. but now all of a sudden we use that width so well, mm. um, and with one of the most highly skilled teams in the comp. So. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that can can go wrong or, or that don't quite feel right when you travel over interstate, but you don't you don't become a shit kick because you've had a plane flight two days earlier. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Geelong have probably you know they lose their home final, but God, they're driving 40 minutes up the road. They're not getting on a four hour flight, and um, so they'll get over it. It's been amazing how quick uh, West Coast have adapted to the you know the cricket style grounds um you know obviously optus has been a big help but I, I thought it would have taken at least 12 months to adapt but it was like straight straight into it um and that's been fantastic to see and i think the, the other big help there is that they're playing six genuine forwards so you know your riolis um your ryan's those little nippy small uh, half forwards and that that's been the big difference i, I think like you know the got, when I was playing, we'd, we'd have two resting mids. So you got four genuine forwards, and we probably lacked that leg speed and that ability to put on pressure and just that genuine forward 
Nash, you know that these guys like <laughs> some of the kicks, Willie and and, and Liam, are, they're elite. Oh, they are elite. <laughs> Makes and, you feel crooked. Oh. <laughs> and I mean, Jetta, he, he on very rare occasion can be inconsistent, but like it's his his kicking oh. is just it breaks yeah. lines. It's it's very it's a it's a lethal weapon. Yeah. And I don't know if you've seen Jamie Cripps running patterns on game day, but that guy is <laughs> the biggest workhorse in the comp. And I think you go back to Rowan Jones, a very similar role, very selfless, but. Jamie's now starting to get some of the uh, you know, the results for it as well. So yeah. he's doing the selfless stuff, but he's actually starting to hit the scoreboard on a much regular basis, and he's starting to get some credit for it too. Um, I think that's the real benefit and the you know, the upside that West Coast had the last 12 months is that that, that forward line has just got so much potency. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Rowan Jones and um, and Cripsy in that in in that sentence, but. The other guy, I reckon, where it's taken people a really long time, and myself included, because if you had have asked me three years ago what I thought of Chris Maston as a player, mm. I'm not sure what I would have told you, but it wouldn't have been as complimentary as what I'll give you now. <laughs> um, I watch him a lot, you know. When he first came in, he was a fairly brash kid, you know, got mm. covered in tattoos and all that sort of stuff. So I don't know the guy from a bar of soap. Um, and so you form an opinion based on, on certain things. And, he, you know, he forget about that. Watching the game last weekend, there was a particular uh, instance where the ball was in on one back flank for us and it sort of got switched slowly around the back line and we had nothing to go to on the another, other side. Another run you and I reckon he's run 150 metres flat out to do nothing but give an outlet for the player coming out of the back line. And it, it's the difference between mm. a ball going out of bounds or a ball getting kicked to an opposition player or... Chris mm. Maston taking the mark, stopping mm. play, and and having watched him a fairly or a lot over the last couple of years, but really closely, I've started to realise what he brings to the team. And you you talk to some of the guys in the team now. Um, I remember talking to Will Schofield when uh, Masto, uh, Bungerhern, and I think maybe JK played Masto games all in the one ga- mm. uh, day, or it was a third player might not have been JK. And Will Schofield, uh, I interviewed him in my room on uh, match day, and all he wanted to talk about was Masto, how happy he was for him, and you know because those other guys get mm. Bunger gets the plaudits. He's the best captain mm. in the AFL. Yep. Josh, if, I can't remember if it was Josh, but yeah, um, and he just wanted to talk about Masto because mm. he's been a whipping boy for a while, um, and this is a guy that, from all reports, you mm. might know this better than me, yeah. but was told last year that he was going to play all year at uh, yeah. East Perth. Yeah, and he. Pretty much played every game. Every game, won yeah. a flag, and he's played most games this year. Yeah, and I think he's he just needs that belief, know that he's he's got the support of his players and his coaches, and he grows on that. Um, you can definitely see why he may rub some people up the wrong way, but it takes all types of personalities, and I, you know, him as a person and his family, and they, they, you could have made a nicer, genuine fella. Yeah, okay, he's extroverted and he's loud, but we love him for that. Um, come game day, he. The selfless patterns that he runs, as you spoke about, but the positioning at stoppage, uh, the positioning in um, you know general play, sometimes he's just holding width, and it's so the opposition looks up and they see a West Coast jumper. Um, he's he could go kick chasing, but he's in the team for these roles, and he's so respected for that. And like saying, Scoey couldn't speak highly enough of him. Well, I reckon we've probably talked in about three or four different issues that fit in here with. The idea of, you know, you saying he's got to believe in himself. Mm-hmm. You know, if you looked at him, 
you would never think that a guy like that would have yeah. an issue with belief in himself. Yeah. But that's the thing, yeah. you know. Yeah. Like you get these guys that you Danny Frawley's, mm. uh, you mm. go outside of footy and you think of Robin Williams and yeah. people that are just funny all the time. Mm. What would these guys be sad about? They're so funny. Mm. But yeah. it's just how would and this is why you know. Sometimes I love going to the footy, but sometimes I hate sitting there amongst the comments that yeah. you hear in the crowd about certain players. Oh, and this is why I stopped. I, I've stopped going to football games. I, I do still go from time to time now with the new Optus Stadium. It's brilliant. But I remember watching a game. It was a. It was actually a Fremantle Dockers game. It was against Sydney, and I watched um, Matthew Pavlich make. It must have been. Six, seven repeat effort leads. You know, the ball was circling around 75, 80 metres out and it just wasn't coming in. Effort after effort after effort, come back around. And then the final one, they decided they've gone to Pavlich and he's gone and it's gone over his head. It's a poor kick. And then the nuffy behind me has gone, fucking put some effort in, Pav. And I was like, have you watched the mm. the last six or seven efforts that he's just put mm. in? And it, that was, for me, the straw that broke the camel's back. And I, I stopped going to the footy for a good four or five years after that I just I didn't want to listen to that it's, sort of it's shit. tough because at some point in time had you not been involved in footy you might have been one of those guys in the mm. outer saying and doing the same things and and you don't have and they don't have or they haven't had that time within a club it doesn't matter whether it's AFL or Waffle to understand some of the other the, well a how these guys tick in their in their heads and um, and all the intricacies if you want to put it that way of of what they're actually trying to do. Mm. Um, you know, it's probably why Backman never win Brownlows, you know, mm. um, because for an umpire watching a game, they're watching all the action happen in front of them, not so much the fact that Chris Maston's running mm. 150 metres every time he gets the footy. Mm. And he's um, an elite, like we talk about elite kickers, he's an elite runner. Just, oh. I remember seeing some of his time trials for the, Two Ks in the in the five minutes, or yeah, he, he runs sub six minutes, so he runs three minute Ks. It's good going, it's but um, <laughs> yeah, it's and, that's, and they also they, but that's why I love the best and fairest. You know, your backmans and your guys who play your role for the team, they get rewarded in that, and that's you know that's held so highly amongst playing group. But just going back a couple of points, so that's where coaching has changed as well. The coaches rarely is it the ranting and raving pre game, uh, post game if a bad result. It is so relationship-driven now. Um, you know, you look at your Hardwicks, Buckley, Simo. They, you know, there's so much more embrace um, between player and coach. Um, you know, it is very similar to, you know, a father-son sort of relationship. And it's getting to know you as an individual. It's not just as a footballer. So these, um, I think the coaching style has really evolved over the last four or five years. And, um, you know, I think the that that Hardwick win a few years ago in you know 2017 with Richmond I think there's no better case for it you know they 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 got smacked round 22 the year before by almost 100 points and you know they they showed faith in him and they they come back the next year and mm. you know what they've you know what they faced and and then that belief within the playing group but the, you can you could just see the relationship between the coaching group and the players and it was mm. Yeah, I think I've loved seeing that, and I think Buckley was another one. You know that he was almost, you know, facing you know some hard calls, but you know they've got behind him, and they you get good people around you, and mm. that's that's where the game's going, and I think it's so great to see. Who's um, and both of you have both had uh, several coaches, I guess, through your time. Who, who do you have standout coaches? I mean, you probably you haven't been under uh, Simo. Um, I'm sure Simo's a 
absolute uh, beast of a coach. But um, you've got Wusher. You've both been under Wusher. Was he obviously, um, a, a, I guess, a standout in in so many ways, um, being a premiership coach and now at Essendon. Um, would he be in your top, or would Simo? Or I'm not playing coach against coach. Yeah, or? mate. I, I, you just take so much from all your coaches. Like I started off with Peter German, and he was psycho, mm. and he would rant and rave. But I love that. Mm-hmm. And then on the other spectrum, you got Simo, who's just so he's calm. Mm. He's calm all all time. He he's just got a clear head. I think he's probably the best educator I had mm-hmm. uh, in in terms of coaching and teaching footy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when it came to mental toughness. Um, you know, there's no one better than Wusher. Yeah, you know, like this guy, smiling assassin. <laughs> oh yeah, but he, every game's a big game. There's, it was always about you know challenging yourself physically and mentally and your preparation. So, I just love taking little bits from each coach, um, and that's where I've been really fortunate um, to learn a lot about yourself, but also a lot about the game. And mm. um, yeah, I've been really lucky there. Yeah, look, I, I think I loved Wusher as a coach. Um, uh, when I started at West Coast, Mick Moldhouse was still there, but I didn't play under under Mick. I mm-hmm. had a couple of years just basically on the list and trying yep. to get a game. But um, the thing I liked about him, same thing I like about Wusher, um, is that even when you weren't playing, you still felt like you were part of, you know, you could be sitting there at the piss trough, you know, so far away from getting a game, it's not funny, and Wusher will sidle up behind you and ask you what you think about this week's game and, and you know, what's your opinion on what, what we should do with mm. Brisbane's midfield or whatever it might be. And you just... Um, I don't think there'd be too many people walking away from a career under Wusher mm. disliking the coach. Um, so, I look, um, I'm not the most astute when it comes to game plans and tactics and things like that, so it's hard for me to judge guys on that. But... I just really, um, I like to judge them on, on the way they are. And like you say, I probably would have been far better off in today's footy than I would have been in, <laughs> in uh, years gone by. Um, you know, I played under Dennis Pagan um, at Carlton. Um, who's listening to this? <laughs> no, <laughs> Anyone. No, but uh, look, I think, I don't know you know, who listens, it's all good, it was mate. just, uh, that was a really difficult one because, um, and I actually had this conversation with Dennis once um, where I felt like the way that he, um, I, I'd gone probably 10 to 12 weeks and this will sound like a cliched thing. Mm. I'd been dropped after round three and I reckon I'd gone 12, 13 weeks without saying a single word to the coach. Mm. Didn't bother me too much because I was enjoying my footy at the VFL level, playing under Barry Mitchell, who I think should have been the Carlton coach at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he said to me something along the lines of, you know, what's wrong with you? And I was like, oh, no, I'm all right. And he goes, you want to have a chat? And I went, oh, okay. And he asked me what was going on in my mind. I said, oh, I'm okay. I'm enjoying my footy. I said, oh. He goes, you don't look happy. I said, oh, I f- feel like the way that you speak to the young blokes doesn't really do much for them. <laughs> I can't believe I said it, but I <laughs> to a bloke like Dennis Bagan, um, mm. and he sort of laughed at me, and he asked me what the worst thing was he ever said to me, and I said, well, I don't care what you say to me, but mm. at that point in time, he had guys like Mark Murphy, um, Josh Kennedy um, was mm. running around, mm. and I just don't feel like, um, I don't know if I said this, but I wish I had it if I didn't. I was like, it's not 1965 anymore, Dennis. Yeah. You know, and because um, I remember him telling me about the things that, Ron Barassi used to say to him when he was playing under him at North Melbourne and then he played at South Melbourne or something like that. And like, just different guys. And it's just the way that these coaches make you feel. Um, and if you can um, run out on the field 
most play, most coaches know how to coach to a certain level. But if you can get your guys actually playing with a bit of freedom, and you see Teague, um, mm. I don't know Brendan Bolton from a bar of soap, but yep. I know Teague pretty well. Mm-hmm. The most likable guy getting around, um, and you I can mean, see basically you Matt can see Bruce the without there. curly hair. <laughs> um, and and you just saw the instant uplift of everyone in that side. Mm-hmm. Um, just I'm enjoying coming to the club now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was probably a really long winded answer, but it's a big part, isn't it? Like you give belief and genuine belief, not just you know like by five minute mark it's gone sort of thing but it's there's something more to it um enjoy playing with your mates and that's that's what Teague brings on he? he's yeah. he's one of the boys um but also he's got that balance between being one of them and, and then being their coach so um that'll be his his challenge now going forward to maintain that it's not just a, a short-term thing it's okay let's build this into the culture and we enjoy being here we work hard but um let's get some success yeah, nice. And uh, look, uh, we've been going uh, long enough, I reckon. You guys probably got to get home with the wife and kids. But just to finish off, uh, <laughs> uh, just we got the—is it the Brisbane versus GWS? That's a very dangerous game for both uh, the top two. Both a chance to be bundled out in straight sets with Brisbane and Geelong because um, GWS, their side, they got Josh Ke- Kelly back a few weeks ago. And uh, where do you see that game going this week? Well. Mate, the first quarter with Brisbane last week against Richmond, that, if they can bring that heat and that intensity, I I think uh, they're going to be very hard to, to beat. Uh, they just got to be able to sustain it for longer. Mm. Um, but he said that the talent that GWS has always had, uh, if they bring it for 120 minutes, geez. <laughs> Scary. <laughs> they're, they're a frightening opposition. So, mm. uh, But that's why finals is so good, isn't it? There's so many variables, so many outcomes that are possible. Um, you could be the best team all year by far and just have one bad game. Well, Richmond, Richmond last, last year. year Adelaide know. probably the year before prior with yep. the um, with the grand final. Even then, they started really well. Mm. And then uh, Richmond just, just yeah, but just snowballed. That's what I, I love watching this time of year. Footies, yeah. yeah, it's as good as it gets. Yeah, no, awesome. All yeah, right. no, I agree. I, um, I think uh, GWS, oh, look, I... I actually picked him at the start of the year to miss finals, but I don't know if that was because I was sort of hoping they do. I'm not a big <laughs> fan of the way that they keep getting propped up and have been set up the way that they are. But, shit, they've got a lot of talent, um, and I really think that they need... There's a level of desperation they've got to have because if they don't win a flag with all of this crop of players <laughs> that they've had, and they've lost a few... Mm. I'm not sure what happens to GWS, you know, in five years' time when some of these players are starting to um, filter out and there's no more draft concessions and the priority picks and all that. Mm. Who decides to go and play in Blacktown over Richmond or Hawthorne or something mm. like that? Yeah. Well, I suppose if you get paid 1.2 a year, you probably go. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, look, I, I I really hope Brisbane win. I'm, I'm always... I've, always been a fan of Brisbane since they came into the comp mm-hmm. um, so I'm hoping to see them back um, oh look I'd, I'd like to see them back in the grand final yeah to be honest yeah no that'd be that'd be good and probably hopefully a little uh, easier for the Eagles if they can get there you've got to beat the best don't you well so, that's it you just got to be there I but think we're playing the best next week if we can get through uh, mm. this week. We'll see how we go. It'll be very interesting. Guys, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I really appreciate it. It's been an awesome little chat. I'll probably look back on this and then think, fuck, I should have asked this and I should have asked that. But look, we've had a great chat. Um, really appreciate you guys coming on and um, yeah, uh, we'll hopefully get you guys on again. That'll be Thanks, great. Mate. Cheers. Appreciate it. Alright, see you guys at home and uh, yeah, we'll see you next time.
And I want you all to know that we are fighting the fake news. The fake news, the enemy of the people. That I call the fake news, the enemy of the people. The fake news.